All right, uh, would you take your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter number six? Matthew chapter number six. We're going to do our last message of our series entitled Heart Habits. And for the first uh, couple of weeks, we've been laying the foundation of what it means to, to, to pursue God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And then we even talked about exchanging your heart of stone for a heart of flesh, meaning a heart that is uh, moldable and conforming into the image of Christ and tender uh, towards what God wants to do in our life. We talked about that stone and trading that in for a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Then last week, we talked a little bit about treasure principles. What the Bible says that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so in many ways, this all ties together in this heart series. Now, we're going to look at this subject of giving and stewardship and finances and tithes and offerings, all that good stuff. But I want to read to you Matthew chapter 6, verse 20. Store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. So last week, we learned that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Well, that basically means if you tie the two connected together, uh, store up your, for yourselves your heart. Is your heart in the heavenly things or is your heart in earthly things where moth and dust and all those things corrupt? Well, we can't take it with us, so we might as well send it on ahead. We use that as a way of getting us to be heavenly minded and so that we would not be any earthly good. So being able to really focus on heavenly things. I want to take a moment and do an interactive. You can, uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but if God leads you to, uh, participate with the entire church. Now, if all of your meet needs are met and you don't want a single thing and you don't want anything and you're just perfectly content, would you just raise your hand because you have all that you've ever wanted and needed? I didn't think so. Because that's not me either. Truth be told, right? Spiritually speaking, I can say, well, I'm blessed, highly favored. Amen, hallelujah. I can raise my hand very easily if I were spiritually speaking, but that's not what I was referring to. Uh, practically, here on earth, do you have everything that you possibly could need and want? We wouldn't raise our hand because we know that partially that's not really true. Whoever loves money never has money enough. The more you have, the more you want more of it. Isn't that so true? Naked, a man comes from his mother's womb, and he comes as he comes, so he will depart. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hand. The more you have, the more you must leave behind. Have you ever seen someone that said, you know what? I'm going to work all my life. I'm going to have all of these things, and I'm going to bury myself with all of it, and I'm taking it all with me to eternity. It's impossible. Naked came I into this world, and naked will I go as well. Malachi chapter 3 in verse number 10 through 12, bring the tithe, full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test. This message is entitled heart test, because where your heart is, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So this is a heart test. So God is saying in Malachi, put me to the test. Put me to the test. Thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, 
I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. God does not fail. Amen. You can put God to the test, but God is going to pass it every single time because God is a perfect and holy God. He is immutable and he is perfect in every which way. He is holy. His character prevents him from being anything but faithful and true. Amen. We're not supposed to test God. However, when it comes to tithing or giving to God, God says, try me, prove me, test me. God desires his children to bring their tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the church. When we do this, God says he will pour out his blessings upon us and he will rebuke the devourer. Tithing is a test of the heart. At the conclusion of this heart habit series today, we have to take a test. You have to take a test. I have to take a test. And you are putting God to the test. This test is so amazingly unique. Normally, the teacher tests the student, and the student will either pass or fail. However, in this instance of testing, we get to test or, or, or fail if we get to see how God shows forth his perfection and his promises, and God will not fail this test. Tithing or giving is life, not law. If tithing was right under the law, then is it now wrong under grace? Tithing is an act of obedience. Giving is an act of obedience. It's an act of worship. The Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. God wants us to obey. So what does that look like? It's an obedience of a heart. Because we trust God and trust is a matter of our heart. The question is referred to from, my, from the message a couple weeks ago. For the love of money is the root of all evil. The word money is the other word for mammon. And we recognize that mammon was a Syrian god that the Hebrew people still recognize as a god. So who has your heart? Mammon, another god, or God as in the God of God, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, your savior. Matthew 5, 17 says this, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill the law. You see, tithing or giving is a test. Actually, the word tithe means test or tenth. It actually means a tenth. The word, the, the Hebrew word for it is ma, ma'azra. Ma'azra actually means tenth, a tenth part. Throughout scripture, the number 10 represents testing. God tests our heart through the tithe, and tithing is the only area where God says he can test that we can test him too. Now I want to give you a test and maybe you can participate with me and you can take this quiz with me. Are you ready to begin? 10 represents a test, a tithe, ma'azra, ma'azra. How many plagues did God send to Egypt? Very good, some of you passed. Did you know that those plagues were not just for Egypt specifically, it was towards a Pharaoh who hardened his heart. You remember that term that we talked about a couple weeks ago, hard heart? God was testing, yes, Egypt, but he was proving himself to who? 
Israel. He was testing Egypt, but proving himself mighty as God Almighty to the children of Israel. And he was testing Pharaoh, who had a hard heart. And we want to trade that hard heart for a heart of flesh. A heart of stone for a heart of flesh. Okay? So, we know that there were 10 plagues in Egypt. How many commandments were there? Oh, you're doing good, students. Let's keep going. How many times, you may or may not know this, but you can, you can follow along the logic here. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Very good. Thank you, Noah. How many times was Jacob's wages changed? Ten. Even if you didn't know it, it's like, it's like knowing the answer in a book and you're already saying, I think it's going to be ten. How many times was Daniel tested? Very good. Bart's got this. You're doing great, Bart. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? That's right. How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? 10. All right. How many disciples were there? 12. I had to see if you're listening or not. I had to see if you're listening. You see, 10 is always a symbolic number of tests proving. And when there's a test, there's an answer. And when there's an answer, there's somebody who's right and somebody who's wrong. It's a two-way test. God says, prove me therewith. Try me. Test me. Tithing is not the law. Tithing was actually before the law. In Genesis, uh, in Genesis 28, 22, it talks about giving to God a full tenth. Tithing is not just not the law. It's not just before the law. Tithing is also after the law. When we think of commandments like within scripture, like the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. I wouldn't come up to you and say, well, that was before. That was, that was Old Testament. Does that mean I can kill you now? <laughs> no, actually, God says that he not only came to fulfill the law, but he came to redeem us from that law. I wouldn't say to you, well, you should honor your mother and father. Well, that was under the law. We don't have to do that anymore. Parents would be like, what? No, let's practice that, that, that now, children. You see, tithing is a test or giving is a test. It's a, a test. It's tenth of our part. Tithing is biblical. Genesis 28, 22, I was saying to you, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth to you. That was 400 years before the commandments. In Leviticus 27, 30, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. That means it's been set apart. That means you need to recognize that to, to set it apart, you've got to give it to God. Deuteronomy 26, 1 and 2, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you are harvest from the land the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket or a bucket or a bin or a drop box, whatever God leads churches, all right? Um, and you shall go to the place of the Lord your God will choose and make his name to dwell there. Referring to the house of God. Deuteronomy 26, 13 talks about this being set apart for God. Matthew in the New Testament, in Matthew 23, verse 23, it says, Woe to the scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness, 
These you have, you ought to have done without neglecting the other. It's not one or the other. God's telling us it is. You don't do this because it was Old Testament. You do this because it is right. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 8. In one case, tithes are received by mortal men. But in other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. Jesus receives our tithes. Tithing is also a blessing. Second Corinthians 30 Chronicles, I'm sorry, Second Chronicles 31 verse 4 through 10 says this, and he commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites that they might have, uh, give themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the command was spread abroad, the people of Israel gave in abundance of the first fruits. That's the tenth, that's the part of the grain, the wine, the oil, the honey, and all the produce of the field. And they brought it abundantly, the tithe of everything. So not just of some things, but of everything. And the people of Israel and Judah lived in the cities of Judah, also brought in the tithe of the cattle and the sheep and the tithe of the dedicated things that had been dedicated to the Lord, their God, and laid them in heaps. In the third month, they began to pile up the heaps. And it finished them in the seventh month. When Hezekiah and the princesses came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people of Israel. And Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites about the heaps. Azariah, the chief priest, who was of the house of Zadok, answered him since they began to bring the contributions, the offerings, into the house of the Lord, the church. We have eaten and had enough and have been plenty left over. For the Lord has blessed his people and we have this large amount left. <clears throat> Excuse me. People who joyfully give unto the Lord, people who tithe and give offerings, they will generally be the ones that, because of a heart of generosity, they'll say something like this. We're blessed. So we Get to give back to God. Since we started tithing or giving to God, it's amazing how God has blessed me. Non-givers, those who hold on to their tithes and offerings, will say something like, I can't afford to tithe. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you start tithing. You see, when we start releasing and recognizing that God owns everything, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God, the Father of lights, in whom there is no imperfection, no, no variables. He doesn't change. He doesn't change from yesterday to today to tomorrow. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is Alpha, he is Omega, he is the beginning, he is the end, he, will, he is immutable, which means he never changes, his character never changes. It's impossible for him. He is constant. You and I cannot afford not to tithe or to give to God. Tithing breaks the curse and rebukes the devourer. Malachi 3 says that. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven. And then it says, I will rebuke the devourer. Have you ever been robbed or something was taken from you? If you've ever had someone take something from you, it feels yucky. But it's really, really dirty and, and you feel so violated. 
if that thief and that robber comes into your house. They rummage through all of your stuff, your personal garments, everything. And you come home and you just feel so violated. The Bible says in Malachi, will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? It feels, it doesn't feel right. God says, I'm giving you, I'm giving you all and I'm only asking for a portion, uh, a tenth if you will, but will a man rob God? In the parable of the talent in Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30, and you can see that in your own recognition, it talks about the, the, the talent and he's given one man certain talents and another man a certain talent and another man a certain talent and they gave back and there was one man that the Bible says, oh, you unprofitable servant. God requires us to honor him with our life, with the stewardship of our life, not just our money, but our life. Tithing remains an extraordinary opportunity for blessing and abundance to those that will put their faith to trust in Almighty God. God gave the commandment that all of his people are to tithe, to give. However, with our obedience comes a blessing. It's amazing that God would say, here's all of it, and all I want to do is to recognize, to see if you would honor me in what already is mine. God is so amazingly good to us that he would give us everything and then give us, give us 90% and that he just wants to see if we would honor him with a portion, with just a tenth, a tithe. The principle of the tithe is not a matter of, uh, of specificity. It's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of worship. And it's a matter of the heart. Do you and I recognize that every good gift and every perfect gift really does come from God Almighty? Or do we recognize it as, well, oh, God's taking something that is mine? I think I've shared this illustration before. My children were young and Corbin and Carter specifically. And Corbin, when he was young, Carter was playing with the toy. And he goes and grabs a toy. And you know what he says? Mine. And then trying to resolve it and help the situation, we gave him a different toy and said, let your brother play with this. Here's this. And then Caleb was playing with a different toy. And guess what? Grabbed it. Mine. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. But when we have the mine mentality, we think it really just belongs to us when we don't truly recognize that God gave that to us. Father gave that to me. A child doesn't have the ability to buy and sell that, but it was given to him and allowed in his life to play and enjoy and live it out. Obeying God's word through tithing breaks the curse and invites God's blessings and provisions for our lives and our finances. Can you imagine what this church could be like if everyone gave according to their measure. According to their measure. God's perfected law already, he did not have a rising standard, a different standard for some, because God is not a respecter of persons. So it's all level. He has a certain amount that he encourages us to recognize that it belongs to him. This series is not 
just about our money, but we recognize in our humanity where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So because of that, we have to understand these treasure principles. What are treasure principles? We taught them last week, but I will rehearse them this week. The treasure of our finances. Are you currently giving to God? Are you currently tithing? Are you currently giving any offering? If not, what are the reasons? How can you overcome the things in your heart that keep you from giving to God? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you and plan to start giving today, to start tithing today. Break the curse from the robber, from the wicked one, and begin to see God pour his abundant blessings over you. What are some of these treasure principles? I'll go through some of these with us again. Number one, God owns everything. I'm his money manager. We are the managers of the assets God has entrusted, not given to us. God has entrusted to us. Can God trust you with more? Number two, my heart always goes where I put God's money. My heart always goes where I put God's money. Watch what happens when you reallocate your money from temporal things to eternal things. Number three, heaven, the new earth, not the present is my home. We are citizens of a better country, a heavenly one. You can read that in Hebrews chapter number 11. Number four, I should live today, not for the dot, but for the line. You see, our life is but a vapor. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon, it's but a vapor. It, it vanishes just like that. But we live for that dot when eternity is the complete line. It's eternity. But yet, in our humanity, we just live for that dot. Let's be heavenly minded. From the dot, our present life on earth extends a line that goes on forever, which is eternity in heaven. Number five, giving is the only antidote for materialism. If you have a heart that has the treasures of this world versus eternal riches of glory of Christ in Christ Jesus, then an antidote for you is to practice stewardship and giving back to God what already belongs to him. Giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. It dethrones me and exalts Jesus Christ. It dethrones me. Remember, you will either love the one or hate the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Number six, last one. God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. God gives us more money than we need so we can give generously. So we must give back to God our treasure. But may I also say that we must give back to God our time. We must give God our time. If you were to give back your time to God, a tithe, a tenth of your time, what would that look like in, the, in a day? What would look, that look like in a week? What would that look like in a year? Do you currently spend a tithe of your time with the Lord, helping others or investing in God's kingdom? If not, what are some practical ways that you could give a tithe of the time from when you wake up to the time you go to bed? Can you give that to God? What would that look like? How can God redeem the time? The Bible says to redeem the time because the days are evil. How can you give that back to God and God just multiply your time even more 
for the kingdom of heaven as opposed to the kingdom of earth. Our treasure, our time, and may I also say our talent. Our talent. Or for many of us, for some of us, our talents. What do you think a tithe of your talents would look like? Do you think it would be possible to give a percentage of your talents to building God's kingdom? If so, what would that mean for you? What are some trade skills that you have? Maybe some professional knowledge, maybe some talents, some gifts or abilities that you could use to invest in the kingdom of God. What would, you, what would it look like if God's people gave their treasure, gave their time, and gave their talents back to God? This city and this country, this world could be turned upside down and we can reach people for the kingdom of God. Jesus not only makes an appeal of our heart, he also makes appeal for our head. Invest in what is of lasting value. Eternal riches. The book of James says that don't just be doers of the word, don't be just hearers of the word only, but be you, be also doers of the word. Proverbs reminds us so much that knowledge puffs up. To be humble, to be humble is to recognize that God owns everything. In closing, I said it earlier, whoever loves money never has enough of it. The more you have, the more you want. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. The more you have, the less you're satisfied. As goods increase, so do the, those who consume these increases. The more you have, the more people, including governments, come after it. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? The more you have, the more you realize it doesn't meet your real needs. Recently, uh, last week, on Tuesday, we met with the pastors and uh, Pastor Doug Vogt. We, were just, we always pray on Tuesdays together as a, as a pastor's group and a staff. And Pastor Doug, as we were just waiting for the other pastors, he said, uh, Chantha, did you hear about that man in South Carolina? There was a billion-dollar lottery. Now, if you know Pastor Doug, the man only speaks truth and joy. <laughs> He's just a lovely man, and I doubted him, and I challenged him. I said, Pastor Doug, I think you misheard it. I've never heard a billion-dollar lottery. I think it's a million-dollar lottery or several million dollars over. He said, no, Chantha, I heard it. It was a billion dollars, and I said, I just can't believe that, Pastor Doug. I think you're wrong. I'm going to prove it because if it's on the Internet, it's true. So I went to the Internet, and the Internet told me that it is a billion dollars. And did you know that if it's on Facebook, it definitely is true? Now I'm being facetious there. So I went online, and sure enough, all of it, no fake news here, no Russian collusion here. It was true. It's like, I can't believe it. A billion, what would you do with a billion dollars? I started asking rhetorically, and I started answering myself a lot of things. And of course, you know, I, I would tithe. I would give to the Lord and bless the work of God. But my goodness, I started imagining all these things and I got sucked into just for a moment being, oh, what can I do? I'll pay off my mortgage. You know, I don't know what I'll do. I'll go buy another house and this car and do this. And immediately I just got sucked into all the things that you and I would do. I mean, am I the only one that would do that? Of course, I wanted to help my mom pay off her house and do this. I wanted to do good things, but I really didn't concentrate much on the heavenly things. And I thought, oh, shame on me. But isn't that like us? 
That's why God wants us to trade that heart of stone for a heart of flesh so that we would be more minded on the things of God as opposed to the things of this earth. That's why he says, pursue, allow your heart to pursue the things of God. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is all about the heart. This is about the heart. Can I ask you a question? Who has your heart? Are you wrestling with mammon and money still? If so, mammon is still a part of your your root system. It needs to be repented and you need to seek after the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man, of this earth. Today, you may never have given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And God says, it's not about money. It's just about your heart. God wants you. If today you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior, the Bible says that he wants He wants your heart. He wants to forgive you of all your sins. And and if you will, live in your heart, abide with you. The Bible says that you must be born again. My birthday is October 5th, but my spiritual birthday is April of 1990. That's when I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal savior and I received the forgiveness of sins and and I entered into a relationship with God. I gave him my heart. Today, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, today you need to have your heart, if you will, cleansed and forgiven and be redeemed by a loving God. This is not so much about money as it is about your heart. And I pray that you would give your heart to God. We're gonna do this. Would you just close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment? If there's anybody, I asked this in the other service as well, but I wanna be respectful and mindful as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If there's somebody here, you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ for the redemption of your sins so you can be adopted into the family of God. God wants to forgive you. God wants to restore you into a right relationship. He wants to be your father. All you have to do is believe and receive. Receive the gift of eternal life today. If that is you and you don't want to wrestle with that anymore, that decision, would you just say, Pastor, here's my hand as an indicator to that. I give my heart to Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins today. Would you just slip it up and put it it right down? And I just wanna pray and rejoice with you. Is there anybody like that today? Anybody at all? Just put it up and put it down. It's not about religion. It's not about you being a Christian, being Catholic, being Buddhist. It's about you recognizing that only Jesus Christ can forgive you of all your sins and that's you today you want to become a child of God just slip it up and put it down anybody like that today hallelujah bless you my friend God knows your heart today is the day of salvation for you rejoice in in one that has come to accept God's redeeming love for him is there anybody else like that today Put it up and put it down. Let's all stand to our feet, shall we? And you do business with God. As God leads you, we're gonna sing a heart, a song. It's a beautiful song. We have, we'll have altar workers and prayer friends that will be praying for you. And if you have a need, they'll pray for you. It's right over here to your left in the front. If you want to pray by yourself, you're welcome to do it up here to your right. Either one, 
men, pray with men, whoever, women with women, whatever makes you feel comfortable. These are people who love you and want to pray with you if there's a need. If you want to step out and you say, you know what, I didn't raise my hand, but I'm stepping out because I need God. I need God to forgive me. I need to receive God's love for me. You can do that today. Let's sing and respond to God, shall we?
Father, we give you our life. We give you our heart. Take it all. May it be an offering of praise. Receive it, Father. Take these ashes. And Lord, would you bring glory through it? We sure love you. We thank you for the principles within the Bible that teach us how to live and honor you in all things. Oh, may our heart pursue after the heart of God. As a deer pants for the water, so my heart longeth after you. My soul longs after you. We seek for heavenly things, not unearthly things. Bless your people. Lord, may they rebuke the devourer and bring blessings into their life because of principles of your word that teach us. These things we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.